0: Okay. Greetings, Highlander.
1: Yeah, whatever, Sassana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, yesterday's listening party was, was uh, the kaleidoscopic world of De La Salle
1: oh yeah it wasn't that something again though like the kate bush one because it's so mammoth and gargantuan in my childhood memory i couldn't really break it apart in the same kind of way wasn't that interesting it was but
0: it was wonderfully i've forgotten i mean i you know i know it really well but i've forgotten how how wonderfully exuberant it is you know it, it sounds like Absolutely. they are having fun i was struck anew by listening to it. it you know there are certain tracks whether that one where they they, they 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 sort of whisper can you keep a secret where they're whispering about you know the different secrets about people and it sounds yeah. like they're just having a really good time and i absolutely an in- infectious enthusiasm about the album that and it was what you were saying about it being a really kind of a positive uh you know power of positivity in in kind of hip-hop and rap and so on at the time it it's really striking going back to it again i I noticed it all again
1: oh sorry yeah sorry that was my thing making noises i'll just turn off my speakers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. And you know, a there were two things afterwards. I then, obviously, you know, the way I like to go and do my little cyber info search. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea they are in fact the same age as me, and I was like, oh my lord, which slightly blew my mind. I had always assumed they would be older. And then, b how it's slightly listening to that again, and how litigious it has got about music sampling and it slightly breaks my heart mm. because although you're sampling other people's stuff a very often is a very small amount and b I think there's a genuine inventive musical skill etc about how you then put that all together yeah and if I was ever a musician that did anything remotely noteworthy that somebody would want to be sampled (laughs) I would be absolutely delighted unless I thought they were fearful (laughs) I won't say the word I was gonna say I was gonna say fearful shits (laughs) but you know what I mean yeah because they got sued rotten by the turtles um and um I don't know if Ste- uh Steely Dan sued them as well for the that do 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 in I know, which is my favorite track, uh, which is from a tracker theirs called Peg. And I love Steele, well, I don't know if I like Steely Dan. I love um
0: Donald also- Fagan.
1: That's it. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about our love of Donald Fagan, haven't we? And we have. It slightly broke my heart. I was just a bit, Oh, but there we Well come. I
0: suppose it's and the thing is, because because it's such a it's such a when it's used in in, in the way that De La Salle use it on that album, it's such a a collage isn't it yes. it's not just like it's the one sample that becomes like it's like you know the, the the funky drummer sample of james brown that becomes used you know it's a the defining characteristic of the song that that, that that's used yeah. or that it becomes somehow there's so many different i mean as you said yeah. it's it's a real headache for record companies yeah uh, for warner to 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 approve that clearance for yeah. all those samples because there's so many but the and way it's also con-
1: hit Oh, sorry.
0: Well, it's just the way that they're constructed makes it such a, a collage of sound that they have to be, as you say, there's a real inventiveness and a real creative compositional way to, you know, they haven't just kind of plonked one one yeah. sample and then just kind of rhymed over the top and that's it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's not even like it's a direct lift like Gangster's Paradise, which I'm sure had Stevie Wonder's kind of uh, blessing and everything, but that's just like a lift of a song and then mm. put a rap on it fantastic love both of them you know these are where you know the kind of musicality to go oh that would go like that and that's in the same key or did you know all this kind of thing because i then went on to look into a a Rolling Stone article about all the things that have been, Mm -hmm. or songs and tunes that have then been taken to court. So there was Bittersweet Symphony and the Rolling Stones, and they ended up getting all the money from that, which slightly I was gobsmacked about. And then pulling apart the more recent one of Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines and the Melvin Gay song. Oh, yeah. And how that, because, of course, when they, when that was in the news and then it would play the two songs, I was struggling to hear the the similarity. I mean, obviously I could, but it felt slightly tenuous. And you're like, well, you know, it's a soul song and da da. da. And there was somebody quoted in that article saying, well, you know, these chord progressions and that bass line and all these things have been done used before. And when it becomes pulled out to those extremities i find and i didn't think that would win the marvin gay one i was quite surprised when it won because it it felt tenuous to me but Mm. i mean what do i know but Um, i suppose yeah
0: it's you know there are only so many notes in the chromatic scale aren't there
1: absolutely i mean this is the thing isn't it i mean it's it's the same in classical music you know people say oh that sounds a bit like that and you're like oh well you know mm." um there's only so much you can do It was, and, um, um,
0: when um, I didn't, I didn't want to say it to Ian because I know how much he adores songs in the key of life in the final countdown that we've done. But the yeah. you know the um, the album begins, um, you know, loves in need of love today with la 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 la, and I yeah. just want to go food glorious. Yeah, well,
1: food. <laughs> absolutely, and this is the thing: what's the difference between picking it up and not, and it not being an homage? If you see what I mean? It, yeah. The, I, I, guess I find that all slightly perplexing
0: i guess it's to do with 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 the moral issue of exploitation you know is somebody yes, sure is somebody using that that uh, uh, enough of that song for it to be uh, sort of trampling on that creative territory is it and That's is it true. used is it used in a way that 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 as you say pays, pays homage to it or, or, or is it just I'm going to have that drum sample and that chord progression and put them together and actually you've taken the cornerstone of each of those tracks mm-hmm. originally I mean because Funky Drummer is so distinctive isn't it you know and, and um, the you know the bittersweet one and so on it's mm. so uh, it's so defining of, of the original song that, that, that absolutely you can't, you can't shake that off
1: No, and then, but it's also then hit and miss whether you get away with it because, Mm. you know, that bass line in Groove It Is In Heart is from Blow Up, isn't it? It's another song. That's another song. And you never hear anything about that being lifted or anything. So,
0: yeah, I suppose it's to do with how diligent, isn't it? Maybe how diligent record companies are about following things up and, and how much money they've got to be able to pursue those claims and so on.
1: And one would love to think how much of it actually ends up back with the original artist and not just the record company. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because (laughs) Because apparently the one, the Turtles, the ones that got the huge payout from Della Soul, that song itself was a cover or had been written by somebody else that they then themselves, if I read the article correctly, didn't actually, you know, recognise in the, you know, who wrote it. Oh, right. So... (laughs) <laughs> but then I suppose, you
0: know, I, I, there's me saying there's only sort of, you know, 12 notes in the chromatic scale, but actually, you know, classical music has managed to reinvent those 12 notes since, you know, Hildegard of Bingham in, you know, the 12th century to, you know, um, Mark Anthony Turnage or someone last year. So That's I guess right. it's... You know, it doesn't well, stop. I mean,
1: and that's why you get the great composers and then they're also rands, I assume. That's Although... very rude break my heart <laughs> to say that. But, you know, the ones that endure mm. are the ones doing something, you know, inventive and has not been done before. And that can be shown in popular music too yeah. and again i think that's why the de la soul and those kind of uh litigious natures of those things it breaks my heart a bit because i thought what people at the early days of hip-hop was doing was brand new and fantastic
0: <laughs> yeah and it was so creative in, in 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 a very different way to 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 the way that music had had, had been inventive before was it and so allowing
1: easy- people to make music who haven't trained on instruments you know this is another thing it's that whole new avenue into music Mm. for people that hadn't you know Learn yes, it's piano. about
0: it's about being created with sound rather than being able to play an instrument and write yeah. for it, isn't it? It's it's yeah. treating found sound. I mean I guess it goes back to sort of like John Cage and then Kraftwerk and so on and the Beatles working in, in the studio and so on. It's then Pink Floyd. It's it's to do with 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 creating with found sound rather yeah. than, than 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 writing something in in yeah. sort of you know classical melodic terms or something.
1: Yeah, and opening it up to another class of people. Mm. I mean, I mean that economic class as well. I mean it yeah. the way it sounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Stravinsky who said, I think it was Stravinsky who said, good composers borrow, but great composers steal or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Which reminds me of the time I, I went to see Puccini's La Fanciulla del West. And my friend of mine, you know, Andrew, who's in the chorus at Covent Garden, and I came out afterwards, I went, I recognize that tune. How do I know the main theme tu- the th- main tune of this opera? He goes, oh, well, it's Aspects of Love by uh, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Weber. Webber. And I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and apparently he, well, this is what Andrew said, the apocryphal tale maybe, I don't know, that uh, Lloyd Webber pays money to the Puccini Foundation because it was found to be so... Uh, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and I remember I remember going to performance of, I mean this is not, it's not not necessarily the, musical theft, but I remember going to performance of Strauss uh uh um the tone poem the orchestral tone poem till Eugenspiegel no 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 um Helden-Laden? no is it night is, is it got the word Nacht in the title uh oh.
1: Just for the listeners, the two that I mentioned are also tone poems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there's a, there's a, there's a Strauss tone poem and all of a sudden uh, I, I, I thought, hang on a minute, that's, that's in, that's in Superman. There's a moment, <laughs> there's a moment which is almost identical to the uh, a melodic shape and an orchestral texture in, 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 in some of the music to Superman, which yeah. didn't, didn't, you know, it didn't um, uh, undermine my enjoyment.
1: <laughs> that's how i feel about the star wars music and the planets you know oh, right. and they're not exactly the same but the imperial march does make me think of mars the force or leia tune makes me think of venus i mean it's because it's a french horn tune i assume you know but i'm sure it was deliberate
0: in some ways yeah yeah because Particularly when 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 p- certain orchestral soundscapes are cinematic in their own right, you know they they yeah. lend themselves instinctively to yeah. to the visual element of film and television and so on. It it uh, yeah yeah yeah. So I don't know, and it, I don't find it undermines my. It's a bit like that Richard Dawkins thing of of um. And the book Un- unweaving the rainbow where your appreciation of how the rainbow is formed scientifically or your understanding mm-hmm. of it doesn't doesn't undermine the the, the the pleasure you you have in beholding it and so on and i i feel like that about music just because it reminds me of something else does not in any way undermine one or the other i don't immediately go oh that's that's just a rip off of that or something I, I i enjoy them separately
1: i don't wholly agree with you but then of course i'm a much more miserable git than you there are times (laughs) when the overlaps are just too strong that it's not that I would necessarily accuse one of copying the other but I would accuse them of maybe lacking their own voice and imagination that sounds a bit mean doesn't it but that is how I feel
0: yeah, and I yeah. think, and the same is true, I think of, I mean, if you think of someone like John Williams, who's who's been so fantastically inventive and yeah. diverse in what he's written, and then you compare it to, to for any listeners who like this particular film composer, I apologize in advance, Hans Zimmer, who writes in, in a way that is immediately, you think, oh, that sounds like it was left on the cutting room floor, you know, um, um, bits of um, Hannibal and bits of Gladiator, it sounded they came out sort of you know within uh not far yeah. not not one was released not far not long after the other and i remember listening to one thinking that sounds like that's all the bits that were left over from the previous oh, from one the other one <laughs> yeah and then and then listening to um blade runner 2049 and it it while he i'm not saying he doesn't do what he does well but it's not different enough each time for Mm -hmm. me it just sounds like more of the same which which is I guess, you know, it, when you're commercially successful and people come to you to write because they want the product that you create, because they know that it fits what they want means that you're probably not necessarily looking to to write out with of the parameters in which you normally function, because those are the very reasons why someone has commissioned you to write the music in the first place.
1: And then what you're saying about Zimmer, do you think that's distinct to a composer having Their own voice two things that uh, spring to mind one is they say about you know people like mozart you know all great composers only really have one tune as in their sound is immediately identifiable Mm. and so another film composer which i neither love nor hate well actually no i do like a lot love is maybe a bit strong but danny elfman okay yep Somebody like him. I mean, okay, obviously the ones that I'm most been exposed to are the ones that go with Tim Burton films. So there may be that he brings a sound that he directly maps onto his quirky films kind mm. of thing. Mm. Yes. Um, no? Batman, is, that maybe, know, is, that, is that a fair thing to say about Hans Zimmer? Is it that he's like out Danny Elfman and has a distinctive sound? I guess
0: so. And if if the, if the signature sound that you create is the very reason that people come to ask you to score for their films, you you don't want to write something that, that you know that they wasn't. The, you don't want to write something that they won't have come to you to ask for because they would have gone to somebody else. They've come to you mm. because they like what you create. And, and, yeah. and that's what they want for their for the product that they are making as well. Yeah. I just. think Williams is quite
1: melodic quite extraordinary in that regard though isn't it hmm. you know when well, you hear when you you might not notice straight away but when you so it comes to your attention it's him you go oh of course it is and yet at the same time they can feel quite distinct although I must say I have to put my hand up when he did the Harry Potter films I went oh it's Danny Elfman <laughs> <laughs> sorry
0: I think did he do because I remember that the very very and I'm sure he did now I think on it the very striking theme to catch me if you can
1: i've never watched that film <gasps>
0: the 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 sound the, the the theme i think is is two clarinets doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, oh, yeah. doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, in sort of parallel motion and it's so fragmentary and, and nervous and edgy and it's perfect yeah. for that kind of um uh sort of slightly not comedic but very light-hearted thriller with leonardo leonardo dicaprian as a sort of con artist being chased by
1: yeah cat and mouse isn't it yeah i've never really... watched it should i watch it
0: oh definitely yeah just just for the theme music alone <laughs> and of course the the other great um film theme that's that stands out for me is is the untouchables which oh. i think is by
1: is any a morricone i had morricone. that on vinyl. Do you? I did. I don't know where my vinyl went. I suspect it disappeared into my brother's record collection. Uh. I, I'll say no more.
0: <laughs> That's such a great film. Film theme. It really is.
1: I mean, I, I, everything about that film. I adore. Yeah. I mean, the sound is beautiful. The cinematography is beautiful. The clothes are by Giorgio Armani. Yeah. Need I say? It? Brian De Palma. Yeah. I mean, yeah. directed it. I. I went to see that in my first year at university at the age of 18 and I was just blown away. And when I came back to Glasgow in my Christmas holiday, it was coming to the ABC Cinema on Sockey Hall Street. And it was coming in super, super wide screen, 75 millimetre if I'm right. I can't remember. I've probably got that a total load of rubbish. <laughs> um, but I made my parents come and watch it with me because I was like, you must come, you must come. There are things like the sound in it, like the bit where Jake Nitty Jake Niddy, uh, I've got a permit for that remember he throws him off the building. Yeah, and the sound of him hitting the cars is just like makes you wince. It's extreme. I mean, I think that's just a beautiful, almost perfect film for me. It's is one that, of my other favourites.
0: Is that the one where there's a scene, and it's either in that or it's in Dick Tracy? And I uh, forgive me, viewers, <laughs> listeners, for, for confusing the two. But there's a bit where where Al Capone goes round the table with a baseball bat and he hits somebody from behind it is untouchable and and it's so i mean it's visually very shocking but the chord the chord in 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 the film soundtrack at that time just hits you it's so dissonant and so wide and it's just it's just a wonderful cinematic moment visually and and musically it's just did your did your parents like it like it you're having dragged into it
1: yeah, my dad then bought the DVD when it came out, so oh. it's, it, it's gone in the, the annals of the Meikle film classics, <laughs> along with the other film I introduced in, well, the Scott Meekle classics, I should say, right. um, is The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Oh, okay. Another one I absolutely, yeah, and I passed on to him and he now has it in his yeah. rotating DVD library. <laughs> so is this
0: basically you've spent your life brainwashing your father into appreciating the films He that you
1: started liked. it. He started <laughs> it. Do you know, I find it quite shocking when I think back. I was made to watch The Godfather and uh, maybe not two, but certainly one, and both French Connection films, certainly before I was 11.
0: Okay, and they're quite...
1: Including heroin mis- addiction and the like. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> okay, that's some kind of education. I mean, I remember being sat down and going, you know, need to watch this quick movie. I, the other one of these is... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why my parents are so into film. I was off ill school at the age... I was in my first year of high school, so I was 13, probably just 10, 13, 12, 13. And I'd been poorly off school and my parents said, right, we're going to cinema tonight. I said, I can't go to cinema. I've been ill. And like, no, 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 no. This film's only on for one night and you have to see it. And I got dragged along to see Visconti's The Leopard in two parts back in the day. We didn't quite get a cup of tea in the interval, but it, <laughs> back in the day, when films are three hours long, they would break them. Yeah. They may, I don't know, of modern people. Kind of developed harder ponds Can they sit for longer? Because you don't get those intermissions. Ironclad
0: anymore. bladders for sitting through <laughs> Lord of the Rings.
1: Have you seen the Leopard? No. I've read the book as well. It's extraordinary. Bert Lancaster plays the main part, and of course, it's in Italian. And of course, I was so young. I, I think me. I went to see it again in London in my thirties, and I couldn't really detect his his lip syncing being rubbish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you go back? Is that why you went back to see it again, just to see the quality of the lip syncing?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, and Alain Delon's in it. And of course, oh, he's see. French. Yeah. And of course, the most breathtakingly beautiful Claudia Cardinale. Oh, it's, I, think... I mean, it's an extraordinary film. It's beautiful. And it's a great, great film. A book, I mean, uh, it's by Giuseppe de Lampedusa. And it's about the rise of the bourgeoisie and the decline of the aristocracy in Sicily in the uh 19th century and i think the the rise of the bureau or the uh, bourgeoisie is also a little bit i think meant to be the rise of the mafia anyway uh-huh. it's great
0: godfather-esque
1: yeah well the, nothing nasty happens mm. but Tancredi, who's the so uh burt lancaster plays the declining duke you know the royalty the aristo um and his wonderful flashy nephew Tancredi played by Alan Delon and he marries Claudia Cardinale who's the daughter, daughter of a, an up-and-coming businessman and so he gets the money and she gets the title it's that kind of thing oh, but then okay. he goes off to fight with Garibaldi and the Re- Rise of the Republic and all that kind
0: of thing it's, anyway. in- it's interesting um, my, my similar experience but not quite so culturally enriching and you're <laughs> going to laugh wait for it is um, i remember being off school uh but at primary school when i was ill i must have been about i don't know it's before we moved out of worthing so it was certainly before i was before i was what 12 12 13 and um uh and i was ill off school uh and uh um, i said to my mum well oh, you know I'm, I'm can you bring me something home from um from blockbusters on vhs this is oh, yes me. vhs yeah, yeah. cassette And and so so she did. And my similar experience of watching a film while off school was June.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, but that's an epic, isn't it? I know really for some of the wrong reasons, but I've got such a I mean, I've only really watched it once. And I went that really doesn't hang together very well, but I still I I loved it. Totally. I can't diss it. it. I
0: think I think I'd read the book uh so she 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 bought it she borrowed the film for me because she knew it ticked that my love of science fiction and so on and if i said can you can you rent a film with sort of you know sting wandering around in metal underpants obviously that
1: i thought you were (laughs) going to say something like i don't know the gremlins or you know something awful woman in red or i don't know So, for for listeners, this, uh, this, this references our ongoing argument. Many where years. Where I later. say I love Conair yeah. because it's an utter pastiche and it's hilarious and all this kind of thing. And Dan, till his dying days and last breath, will say, "Oh no, no, no! It's really serious. It's utter shit." It
0: is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, I get the sense if i continue this line of thought my my last breath will be much sooner than i anticipate <laughs> and of
1: course i then go no 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 you'd never get that actor to line up for something that took itself seriously
0: mm. anyway i think that's for another show listeners
1: the <laughs> that could on- be a chapter all by itself <laughs> the ongoing
0: con air day blow
1: by blow <laughs> <laughs> both the film and our ongoing dialogue about exactly yes it. <laughs> it's well just every week it's just con air and prog rock bashing <laughs> i don't know anything about prog rock again it's a bit what is it about me and rock you know it's like today's listening uh no vinyl countdown i just i'm definitely missing out aren't i
0: i don't i don't necessarily think so i mean i mean Ian was talking about coming to sort of ACDC and, and Guns N' Roses and, and and so on later on in life. And yeah. um, I get that. I mean, when I was at school, I was uh, uh, f- uh, over, over, overexposed to Iron Maiden. You know, oh, yeah. there were there were chaps in my year who played Iron Maiden incessantly. And I, I could not, I, I just didn't like it. Um, but morphed out of that, I really like ACDC now. I, and I yeah. probably, you know, there's probably a, Um, I lump them together but you know for the purists uh, there's they're probably completely different bands and 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 occupy very different kind of sonic landscapes and so on but I in my head they're just very noisy rock but I just happen to like ACDC now Mm -hmm. but I've Iron Maiden maybe I need to go back and listen to it but in my head it's got that very forceful abrasive aggressive thing that somehow ACDC it felt like they never really took themselves all that seriously there wasn't the pomp yeah. with it you know they they dressed up in school kind of you know caps and, and shorts and were having fun Iron Maiden were a bit more gritty you know
1: yeah yeah I just I don't I can't it's I don't know it's like a a, a switch was flicked somewhere in my childhood that just made me go uh-uh. <laughs> you know I just <laughs> yeah it's like I was saying today I remember my friend getting into a Sweet Child of Mine and just going oh I love this song. I love this song and playing it to me and it just washing off me like water off a duck kind of thing i just i have no inroad into it yeah and that's not like i don't like glam rock i love glam rock you know i remember having a t-rex album when i was a teenager and a friend of mine's older sister going what are you listening to that for that's bloody old music i've going, yeah but i just love it <laughs> bloody love it you know so and you know who did ballroom blitz and all that kind of stuff you know and i think i wonder whether it's melody that was one of the things i mean if it's to do with a lot of that heavy rock doesn't really have a obvious melody does it it's you know (laughs) yeah i guess much of the energy is that's that's obviously the uh you know the official way of describing Thank you for that term. vocal. Thank you for
0: that vocal <laughs> rendition. <laughs>
1: but what is Easy Top?
0: They were funny. Didn't mind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be something about some a rock that that doesn't become malevolent or or a bit kind of brute, not brutal, but um.
1: But there must be this sub sub genre within rock that I don't get in on with, which White Snake and all that kind of fall into. And then mm-hmm. there are other bits on the peripheries, probably the ones that they all thinks a bit namby pamby, or you know. But then, have, I,
0: <laughs> who's the the rock? I mean, I, the rock band that I really what was the one that you just mentioned?
1: ZZ um, Top.
0: ZZ Top. Yes, I I really liked them, and 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 they weren't the theatricality of, of Frank Beard not having a beard when the other two had beards, it was obviously yeah. a, you know, a deliberate <laughs> thing. And I quite, I, I quite liked that, you know, there's, a, yeah. there's an element of self parody that means, you know, we're not taking this too seriously. Um,
1: and the spinning guitars. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's a similarity just as we I was thinking legs and those that a couple of other singles. Mm. And then instantly I could hear Robert Palmer, addicted to love in my head which has okay. got that same grindy guitar hasn't it in it yeah god that was a tune
0: tune <laughs> i remember um uh, one of the students uh, back when i worked at redbridge college uh, I, I said oh you know i'm not really into led zeppelin uh and he said oh you have to listen to this houses of the holy of Holy with the album because there's one on it that's a funk track and it's in seven beats in a bar and I was like really okay let let me try this and and he played Crunk it's Uh, called and I played it and it was like fantastic why did nobody tell me it's a bit like when we were listening to the you know Stevie Wonder for today's vinyl countdown Mm. and there's Confusion which is that very kind of jazz fusion which which I really like and and I know that you're not quite such a
1: fan I've got a thing about long long improvisation Uh, i think i mentioned it very briefly when we were doing the chat weren't we about that Uh, i was scarred by an incident at the sheffield lead mill as a teenager i'd gone down to visit my brother who was at the university and on the sunday we went to the lead mill for some lunchtime drinks and lunch, you know, whatever. And there was this kind of progressive jazz thing on and just these painful silences and a guy on the drum doing a drum solo kind of scraping his stick along the cymbal and stuff and just going, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> free <laughs> jazz. Yeah, that's it, free jazz, that's free what it's jazz. called. I just kind of like, no. And yes. I again, I don't, yeah it just doesn't grab me
0: no no well i think for me the difficulty with free jazz is is everything's significant isn't it because there's no sort of necessarily a a, a, because the great thing about jazz improvisation is is that you're presented with the tune the chords from the tunes that you know and then someone improvises it in a wonderfully creative way against those tunes so you've got Mm. it's underpinned by a a sequence that you recognize but there's something new over the top and with free jazz you don't get that you just get this kind of dialogue between Mm. motives or or fragments or something that that, where, where everything is significant and of course when when everything is significant and there's no form ground middle ground and background when everything's significant nothing is significant because everything's on the same level
1: yeah. and because
0: you you can't i can't feel how the music is developing or progressive progressing or how it's being inventive against a particularly well-known set of chords or harmonic series or something i just i just don't know and i think there's a lot of charlatanry as well you know you, no. can, just, you can lean on the piano with some cluster chords and you can bang it with your elbow and you can blow your nose into the piano and all that
1: kind of thing and I, but this is i mean i think that can be said across all sorts of art mediums i think when yeah. you get into abstract it can hide a multitude of sins i mean we've had this conversation before where i say I think there's a gut reaction to stuff that at its base is genuine, authentic uh, Mm. and talented, the artist, whether it's fine art, you know, music or whatever. And then I think there's stuff around the edges that then doesn't speak to you. And at the minute I feel like that about stuff, I begin to uh, question why am I not responding? And, of course, this isn't to do with, say, my, the kind of not responding to rock, and like Guns and Roses, that we talk talking about. That's something different. Because I wouldn't listen to that and go, hmm, I'm not so sure. That's not it at all. This is, mm. something, this is something different. Mm. Yes, and I think when things get very abstract, particularly when you're coming to it from some, a non-cognoscenti, you know, if you don't know about stuff, there's no inroad to it. And so yeah. it becomes quite you know, difficult, problematic. Very challenging
0: and so on. I think we need to have a vital countdown where everyone just chooses a freeform jazz album.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For listeners, I pulled a very despondent face there.
0: (laughs) Yes, if anyone was in any doubt about the lack of enthusiasm that Sophie (laughs) just demonstrated, be in no doubt.